Well, good. Good morning. Good afternoon. Our text uh, is Psalm chapter 4. Psalm chapter 4. And those of you that know, Psalm 4 is just a continuation of Psalm 3. And it's a song that is being sung by David. It's a prayer and a song. He starts off talking to himself, and then he prays to the Lord, and he also sings this out loud. And Psalm 4 is going right on in the midst of the most horrific circumstances you can imagine, especially as a father, as his own son has rebelled against him and tried to overthrow him and his kingdom. Not only that, but Absalom, his son, David's son, has convinced some of David's good friends, to turn against him. This is all involved in Psalm chapter 4, and we're going through and looking at the gospel message that's found in the Psalms, the good news of what God has done for us. David realizes this as he writes this song for God's glory. So remember the circumstances the upheaval, the pain, the distrust, the lack of joy because of the circumstances in David's life. And let's look to the, our God, our Father, as we read Psalm chapter 4. It says, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayers. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right, uh, right sacrifice and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when they, with their gain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Pray that encourages you and helps you. Let's ask God to bless the reading of his word. Lord, we thank you for bringing to us the humble, the undeserving, the unrighteous, your holy word. Your word that gives light, the word that shows us good news in the midst of heavy and hard circumstances, your word that gives great joy. And we are so grateful that you have become our righteousness, that you have shown us great mercy, that you have delivered to us relief from the painful things of this world. But more than that, you have given us relief from our own wrongdoing. 
We are the undeserving. Lord, you are the only one that truly is deserving of all good things. But thank you for sending your son to be our advocate, to be our stand-in, to be the one who saves us from our sin and brings us great joy and happiness in the midst of turmoil. Thank you for bridging that gap and bringing us peace in our life that we might find rest. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us the rest that we need today. We thank you and we praise you for these wonderful words of life. May we worship you and give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good afternoon. It'll soon be afternoon. You know, it's close enough. And I trust that God has blessed you already this morning. And I encourage, I will be praying that the message this morning encourages you. You know, ever so often as I'm writing out the message on Tuesday, I, I got to 15 pages of notes at the end of verse one. So I decided to make it a two-parter. So if you're wondering, uh, if you look at your notes, we're only going to be covering verse one uh, today, but you'll have to come back next week uh, to get the rest of it. Well, we will be ending in verse eight. Verse eight really shows us the emphasis. If you're new uh, and a guest with us, either on a live stream or out here with us uh, this, uh, this morning, uh, we've been studying, looking at the gospel in the Psalms or the gospel of the Psalms. We want to look at God's good news. And we see that the good news of what Jesus has done for us and the message of the gospel in the New Testament has not changed. It's not new. That it was always been the good news of what God wanted to do for us has always been the same. And I really want you to see that as we look in verse 1, we are going to see how David responds to the most ugliest of all circumstances in his life. How does he respond to conflict? Next week, we'll be looking at how, do you, how did he respond to others around him, uh, especially those that were riling against him, that were slandering him, that were trying to overthrow him and hurt him. And so I just want you to realize the implications that are here, and we will look at them in the conclusion of the message. If you would bow with me, we'll pray one more time and ask God to bless as we preach. And please forgive me, I, I, I hate preaching from my computer. So if I seem a little distracted or reading from time to time, it's because I'm preaching from my computer. But out here, it's a necessity because my notes would end up down there. And uh, I don't want to end up down there. So I'm going to stay up here with my computer. So uh, so just be uh, so I'll just say that right off the bat that I don't normally do this. So anyway, but uh, let's pray and ask God to bless his message this morning. 
Lord, as you draw our attention back to your word, I pray that your word that you have given us, this very great blessing, that, Lord, our neighbors around us, those are in cars, those that are coming uh, to us by live stream, that we wouldn't be impacted by all the circumstances, but that we would take to heart your very word and may it give us great encouragement and life to whatever circumstances we are living in. Some great, some not so great, but whatever it is, that we find peace because of the good news of the gospel and what you've done for us. And so help us to see your word. Help us to realize how important it is to use your word in our life, to not just know it, but to trust it, to lay our life before you and put these things to action that you might bless our lives this morning. So I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word this morning. Bless the hearers. May your spirit, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bless the hearts and minds of those that are listening and that you would teach us today. In Jesus' name, amen. As we consider the life situation that's going on in this psalm, especially in David's life, but maybe you can think about it your own life as we look at these words. David gives us an amazing, an amazing look at God's glory. Just in Psalm uh, 4, in the first verse of this psalm, we see some amazing, amazing attributes of God. Basically, all of our life situations call for this particular portrait of God's glory. We need this particular portrait of God's glory in all of our life situations, no matter where we are at, where we are standing, where we have fallen, or where we are laying right now, wherever your life is at, especially David. Psalm 4 is a psalm that shows us how David handled it when he was in conflict, when he was slandered by unbelievers, by people who had an upper hand. They actually had the upper hand against him. And we saw that David first, in this very first verse, the first thing he does is he goes to God, not his enemies. Did you notice that the very first verse is about God, not the enemies. We tend to think the one who holds the keys to us getting out of our problem is the person that we think is causing the problem. Let me say that again. Sometimes when we're dealing with hard circumstances in our life or conflict, we think the very person that is holding the keys to the conflict or that can resolve the conflict is the one that caused the conflict. So we end up focusing on that person. But we see in this psalm, David is showing us that we need to focus on the one in charge of the problem, not the one who's causing the problem. We need, one of the main points of this psalm is that we have to focus on the one who re is in charge of the problem, not the one causing the problem. Instead of behaving as though some human being were in charge of our well-being, 
we need to behave as though God and God alone is in charge of our well-being. Conflict is a life situation that's common. It happens. It is this experience of being in a tight place that David directs his prayer to God. In verse 1, David prays this. He starts out, he says, Give me relief from my distress. Those are very descriptive words. Do you know the word translated distress in Hebrew literally means a, not, a narrow and tight place? A narrow and tight place. Maybe that's the way you feel like. I mean, David was feeling this. He felt like his distress was, it was coming in. It was an act of closing in around him. He was becoming claustrophobic. I am not 10. I don't tend to be claustrophobic. Maybe you do. But I'll tell you what, I, I learned what claustrophobic was like. I don't know if I ever told my mom this. And I know she's watching my live stream, so sorry, mom. <laughs> but... I used, I'm the adventurous type, and when I was, I don't remember how old I was, but living in Alaska, they would come through the, the cul-de-sac, and they would, you know, grate the, the roads, and they would pile the snow, and in the middle of the cul-de-sac, they would make this mountain, mountain of snow out of all the snow on the roads, and you know anything about Alaska, it doesn't stop snowing. Two-thirds of the year is, is snow, so we just, we, they pile it up and pile it up, and I go out there, and I look at, how am I going to get out? And I'm sitting there, and I can remember thinking, God, how do I get out of this? I, I, granted, Lord, I put myself in this position. <laughs> how do I get out? I was, to say the least, a little distressed. Eventually, my body heat took over, and it melted it enough that I slid the rest of the way down. Praise the Lord for body heat and a little more gravity. I made it out. And like any good child, you know what I did? I went in there and widened it out a little further and kept going in. <laughs> I didn't learn my lesson. But that's what it means to be distressed, right? You're stuck. But look what he says. Give me relief. Do you know what the word relief means? Relief means wide open place. God, give me. I am. Everything's crashing in around me. And you know the language. You know what I'm talking about. And everything's crashing in around you. And you're asking God, help me. I want wide open spaces so I can see things coming. I want to see what's coming, Lord. I, that's the type of relief that David is praying for. Maybe that's the prayer of your life. Maybe you're overwhelmed and things are crashing in around you. That's what David felt. Maybe that's what you felt. Maybe this prayer that David is praying is your prayer. And in this particular psalm, this tight spot David has in has been caused by other people. The solution David is going to give us in this psalm applies specifically to any number of situations in any crisis in our life that anybody else has caused. We look at what's going on in the world and we say, everybody else is causing all these crises. How are you going to deal with it? Well, this psalm gives us great answers to dealing with those things. The prayer of verse 1 rises up out of David's delight 
of these amazing attributes of God. And we're going to look at them. And we titled it this way, What We Need to Enjoy Peace in Any Circumstance. What we need. And of course, you could say the gospel, the good news, what God has done for us. Well, in a nutshell, that's what David is telling us. But let's look at these four attributes. The first one, it is God who listens. Number one, David said, answer me when I call to you in verse one. But go down to verse three. Look how he responds. He says, but know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. He's talking to those that have caused his distress. But then he says, the Lord hears when I call him. Even though God was, or even though David was calling out to the Lord in verse one and saying, listen to me, he knew that God was listening to him. In a sense, what David was doing was saying, here is my distress, Lord. I'm laying it at your feet. Same as last week. You know what's amazing about this fact that it is God who listens? Think about conflict in your life. When you have conflict with someone, you delight yourself in the fact that you have a father, Father God, who listens. You realize probably 90% of the time when you have conflict, a major part of your frustration is the fact that the person just doesn't listen, right? How many times as parents you said that? You just aren't listening. Or how about you said that when you're complaining about some conflict in your life? Well, they just won't listen. Well, here's the fact that David, when he's praying, he says, I know I have someone who listens. Think about that. But not only that, but the idea that God listens or hears me when I call, David is saying this, he listens and he understands. We have a God that listens and a God that understands. And he cares. Have you ever just stopped for a moment in your prayer time? If you, have, if you don't have a prayer time, make a prayer time. Have you ever just stopped for a moment and enjoyed the sensation of the fact that God is listening? Not only that, but that God understands. He understands better than you do. And he cares more than you know. We all desire for people to listen and to have people who care about us. And that's what David is saying. I have someone who listens. When he was talking to the unbelievers, he's saying, at least I know God understands. The second attribute that he gives us here is that it is God who is your righteousness. This is valuable. He says, answer me when I call to you. But then he goes on to say, oh, God of my righteousness. The Hebrew phrase here is literally God of my righteousness. Or it's literally God of my rightness. Righteousness means rightness or when things are set right. Basically, what David is saying is, guys, it is God that sets things right. We don't set things right. We can try, but many times when we try to set things right, we make things wrong. I could go into a story about a guy I was counseling while I was cutting meat the other night. And it was funny because 
he asking, you know, pastor, you know, pastor, is this right or wrong? You know, my wife and I were having an argument and he was telling me something. He's like, and I took him to the Bible verse and showed him and he goes, yeah, so I'm right. And I said, how are you going to tell your wife that? And he goes, well, I'm going to say, well, pastor told me I'm right. And I said, well, you'll be wrong. And he's like, oh, <laughs> he was focused on his rightness, not God's rightness. David is saying, God is my rightness in that all that is right in my life comes from God. And all that is not right will be set right by God. Think about that. If God is my rightness, then it is not me that needs to make things right. God will make all things right. The great thing about going to God when we have conflict is not only does he listen, but he also is the type who really, 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 really cares about being right. Think about that. The great thing about bringing your troubles to God is he is not only listening and he understands and he really, really loves true justice. And he has a strong passion about getting things right. It leads us to number three in the very first verse. The other attribute that we see from God is that it is God who is the source of relief. Don't miss this, but the third part of verse one is this. You have given me relief when I was in distress. We talked about what relief. He's saying, God, you have given me wide open spaces in the midst of my distress. Now, you got to understand, God, David was hiding in caves. David was hiding in not so nice places to stay alive during this time. So he wasn't focused on any of his circumstances. He was focusing on the reality of what God was truly doing. David looked to God for relief, which means David regarded God as the source of his relief. His circumstances, his winning the war, his winning the argument, no matter what it was, he realized that God and God alone was a source of his relief. That sounds like the gospel, doesn't it? It is. The gospel is the only true source of relief in our life. There is nothing special about having some painful ordeal and then saying, God, make it stop. You know, many times in our life we do that, right? We send up a five-second prayer. So then what's so special about having God who gives us relief? Well, there is something special and wonderful about actually considering God to be the one and only source of relief. He, it, we all claim to believe that. We all, many of us, if I ask that, yeah, God is a great source of relief. But sometimes our afflictions and our anxieties expose some unbelief where we thought there was belief. Let me explain that. We say God is absolutely the only one who's in charge and the only one who decides my outcome and whether or not I feel relief. And then we turn around and we put 95% of our energy in seeking relief from some other person. Think about that. We pray for all of maybe 20 seconds 
and then we spend an hour arguing with people or things and circumstances that and it shows that our what our heart really believes is the one who's in charge and of our well-being here's the thing is is who do you spend all of your time focusing on in your circumstance you affirm god is the one who's in control and the only god can give you relief from your conflict but if someone could see into your heart they would see that in a course of a day you spend five minutes asking god for relief but then you spend the rest of your day worrying about who's going to provide that relief as you focus on the circumstances and the person that you believe has to change for relief to come who does your heart think is in charge of your well-being <laughs> I want I I know your mouth would answer the question but I'm asking what does your heart really say think about it could it could it be coming from when you live your day in anxiety and worry and distrust of your circumstances and of other people could it be coming from the fear that maybe you might not be believe that God is merciful or Fear a little bit about sinful people around you and maybe believing that maybe they will never change. If you learn anything from verse one, learn that God is the source of your relief. So when you have conflict, first go to God, not last. First pray and continue to pray. The fact that David started with prayer before addressing his opponents is an amazing example for us. When you have conflict with someone, first go to God. Because he is truly the one who's in charge of our well-being. It is God that needs to come to our defense, not us. He has the power to persuade hearts. It is within his ability to cause people to see truth in the situation of your life. The last thing that David says is be merciful to me. David turned to God for mercy because God is merciful. It is God who shows kindness. It is God who gives us his very favor, especially to a person that is great in need. Think about it. We were once enemies of God. Our very hearts were at war with God in our sin. It's even amazing that God is merciful to us. We don't deserve God's mercy, but as a believer that has put their faith and trust in Christ and, and God has saved us from our sin, it's amazing that once we were an enemy, now we've been adopted into the family of God and, and here he is willing to be merciful to us. It's amazing that we have somebody that listens to us that brings relief and is now, we see, can be so merciful. So to summary, summarize verse 1, we can do it this way. When you have a conflict with someone or when you have circumstances where you're in great distress, find a way to peel your attention away or off of the circumstances, off of the person, and put it on to God. 
Stop focusing on the one that causes the problem. Stop focusing on the circumstances that may have caused the problem and start focusing on the one who can change the problem. Not necessarily remove it, but God can change it for his glory. God can give you relief. Stop looking to people as if they were in charge of your well-being and focus your attention on the one, God, who really is in charge of your well-being. So in conclusion, I've given you some four implications and things to think about. Four or five, I can't remember. I, I keep adding sometimes after I send out the notes. I want you to, I'm just going to summarize it quickly. I'm not going to go into all the details, but here's the thing. Don't expect answers as David prayed for answers in his life. Don't expect answers to unoffered prayer. What do I mean by that? Don't, if you're not praying and actually crying out to God for help, don't expect him to answer, to change things if you're not crying out. The second thing that we see here uh, by way of application or direct implication is we need to be satisfied with approval from God. Right? Whose approval do you seek in life? Is it man? Is it the person that you're dissatisfied with? Or are you looking for approval from God? Here's a, a thing we learned from David's life. Seek approval from God. How about this one? Care mainly about God's opinion. Care mainly about God's opinion. When David's enemies accused him, not only did David go to God for help, but it was also important to understand that it was only God's opinion that mattered to David. He didn't focus on what his enemies were saying. He focused on only what God could do and who God was and what God cared about. Care about God's opinion. Don't worry about everybody else's opinion. David's only boast, by the way, in this chapter was that God approved of him. That's what mattered to David. God's opinion of David mattered more than anybody, anything else. Man, I, I don't know about you, but that frees me up. It gives me great joy. It gave David great joy. Just look at verse 7. Delighting in God's approval when slandered. That was one of the, the, towards the end there in my notes. Delighting in God's approval when slandered. Do you delight in God's approval? We'll talk about some of this on Wednesday going, and we're going to look at Job. And one of the great tests of whether or not you seek God's approval or not. And how, how can we know? And Isaiah 51, 12 said, Even I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you fear mortal men, the sons of men, referring to men, the, the line of Adam, who are just but grass? He said, men come and go, they die. I mean, our grass is green and growing like weeds right now, but just wait till the end of August, right? When the sun 
scorches it and you praise the Lord, we only have to mow it like every other week. Right now I have to mow it three times a week. But <laughs> grass just dies eventually. Men we just die and so do their opinions. Just wait. Five years from now, everybody's opinion right now will be different. God's opinion matters. His approval matters. The issue is not their wrongness and people's wrongness, but your being approved by God is what matters. The last thing I wrote down there is this, is when we look at the gospel, the good news of God, the good news is that of what Christ did for us, that it was what God did, not what other people do or what we've done. There is no one good. There is none righteous. Romans 3 tells us there's none who seek after God. We are not good. Our hearts are desperately wicked. Who, only God knows how wicked we truly are. That even should scare us. But the very nature of the fact is being approved by God matters the most. And, and God sent his son to die for us, to take our place because we are not good. And so he became our righteousness. You remember what David said? God is my righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness. And because of that, we have a relationship with God who listens to us, who is merciful to us, who gives us relief and forgives us of our sin and restores a relationship with him. That's the gospel. That's good news. And that good news of what David is talking about in verse 1 gives us great joy and peace. Look at verse 7 and 8 as we close. It says, You have put more joy in my heart than they have when they, their gain and wine, grain and wine abound. It didn't matter how people are saying, Look how much we have. Look at our wealth. Look at her wine. Look at her green. And that didn't bring David any joy. But he said, God has put more joy in my heart than all of them and their wealth. Verse 8, in peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. The gospel, it will give you com great compassion. And it will give you great courage to deal with the things in your life. It'll give you compassion for those that are sinful. It'll give you compassion in your heart for those that bring you pain. It'll give you compassion to look at what God has truly done for you. And when you do that, it'll great, give you great courage to realize all that God has done so that way you can live with relief in the midst of all our circumstances. That is the gospel of Psalm 4. The great, great, great love in which God has loved us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us to give us all of those attributes that we just talked about in God. Are you seeking man's approval or God's approval? Because it's only God that can save us from our sin and restore us in right fellowship with him. Are you more concerned about God or are you more concerned about people? 
please be more concerned about the one that can save your soul. God is love. Seek him in your life. And let this psalm bring great joy and encouragement to you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for David's wisdom. We thank you for David's great joy in the midst of great distress. Lord, we praise you for how it the implications help us to look at our own life and help us to ask, are we seeking man's approval or are we seeking your approval? Do we look for, in all of our well-being, do we look for comfort in people, in circumstances? Or are we looking for the ultimate comfort in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who redeemed us and bought us the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You, you told us the kingdom of God is at hand. You are coming back, so repent and believe. Believe in Jesus Christ and what he's done and find true life in the one who does give life, the one who restores peace with God Almighty. Lord, we thank you for giving us peace through Jesus Christ, for restoring our souls. Lord, may no matter what hardship we are experiencing today, may we find great comfort in knowing the truth about who you are and what you really desire for us and what you truly are doing for us in the midst of turmoil. We praise you, O oh God, and we worship you. And we call everyone, encourage everyone to come to you, to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.